0: Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoko Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoko smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com.
1: Welcome to Beyond Headlines. I'm Sabina Hooper. Now, a short time ago on 705blackfly.com, I did an interview with the advocacy group Truckers for Safer Highways, and they're very concerned about inadequate training and that's putting people in danger on the roads. Now, when we posted the story, our social media just lit up, and some drivers said that the problem lies with the lack of training, others said lacks testing, and many expressed concerns about the behavior of motorists around trucks. So joining me now is someone I know uh, quite well. He's had a 30-year career in the trucking industry. He has, uh, well, he's been both a driver and a safety and Compliance consultant, and he's a licensed instructor. He's my husband, Mike Cooper.
0: How are you doing today?
1: Oh, uh, you pretty good, pretty good. Now, obviously, we've uh, discussed this extensively, and um, judging from what I've heard from you and the online response uh, to the interview that I did earlier, there's a lot of discontent in the trucking industry.
0: Definitely, and, and it happens on every level, whether it's the, uh, the lobby groups, the government, the drivers, the, the CVOR operators. Uh, there, there's improvements that are certainly necessary on, on every level of the industry.
1: What appears to be the problem? Like the last interview um, I did was focused specifically on training, and I'm hearing some alarming things about the lack of training in drivers.
0: It's very true. Um, in my experience, I, I would get a lot of drivers that would come in on a uh, pre-hire exam, and the uh, the level of competency um, made you really question if they ever had a license at all. They they didn't have any of the basic skill set required to operate a vehicle. Uh, some had were tenured drivers, um, and a lot of the feedback I was getting from even job applicants were that at a prior employer they received no training whatsoever. They, they had gotten through um, a school somehow, gotten through a drive test, and as a new driver, they were actually scared. And they were looking for employers that would participate in enhancing their training and finding that there weren't any.
1: That's pretty horrifying, actually. Well, if they're not getting the training that they need, why isn't it being caught in their testing?
0: Uh, one of the big problems with that, and this is uh, this one is going to fall squarely on the government. Uh, they have reduced the the criteria for the drive test. Um, particularly, one of the the highlighted items is the pre trip inspection. You do not have to do a full walk around inspection anymore. What? Y- you do not have to do your full uh, Z endorsement test. Um, on your road test that is something that you do in a classroom long before you go for your driver's license you are issued a Z endorsement and it's based on a 12-hour in-class program with modeled brake units to do your testing on and and your test is assisted as well Um, on the day that you go to do your road test years ago you would spend up to 90 minutes in the yard doing a a drop and hook reverse maneuvers and a full inspection Now you literally just hold up a schedule one and they'll ask you to identify one of the items on it to see if something is defective. And and that is it. It's it's a five minute test.
1: And I've heard that um, the waiting list to even get tested is uh, incredibly long. So basically they're just pumping them through
0: that is true and and um another problem that comes with that and, and a lot of the outlying communities can affirm this um with somewhere like toronto having a large backlog and a, a higher density of traffic which would lead to a more possibly a more difficult test they're uh, typically going to more rural communities where the inference being that they're going to have a lot less traffic uh, maybe a little more lax testing process um, and that, that is where uh, a, a lot of those test centers are actually quite full now, and none of them are from uh, local applicants.
1: Hmm. Well, you're a certified instructor. How would you improve the current training? Like, what would you make mandatory for for new drivers at this point in terms of their training?
0: Uh, at the very least, um, the the number of hours in a school. Uh, the, the government, unfortunately... Um, Uh, sold us a bit of bill of goods um we used to have what was called the ptdi certification and it was a very lengthy program very thorough um the school i went to even and this is back in 93 was 280 hours um the minimum the melt program training now is 103 and it is the absolute basics of operating a truck you don't even have to have um a truck with a standard transmission anymore you can get licensed as an automatic AZ driver so my my suggestion would be to radically enhance the um the curriculum of the school and following that i mean there's been a lot of talk of apprenticeships in the industry and that, that is very difficult to mandate a lot of the industry wouldn't be able to to tolerate that but to sidestep a little one of the requirements for companies the cvr holders is that they're required by law to make sure that their drivers are competent and can demonstrate their licensed abilities? That is not being looked after at all. Um, I can tell you, <laughs> lots of companies. the The inference is that they have hired a licensed driver, and their responsibility stops there. And it begins now that the driver has that responsibility. Um, to augment a new driver, every company should certainly scrutinize them at the point of hiring and then check on them again whether it be in the first 30 days if they're a newer driver they they need to have mentoring programs available for them the idea that a student can hit these milestones by themselves is ridiculous i can't imagine being allowed entrance into a university and just because the books are in the library that i can somehow uh gain my bachelor of arts without the instruction being available
1: Right. I mean, that's, that's a fair point. Now, let's have a look at um, one of the messages that our readers left left for us. Now, this uh, is from Andy, and he wrote, They'll let anyone with a pulse drive a truck nowadays. Automatic transmissions are killing the industry because of poorly capable drivers. The industry needs to be more conscious about hiring good drivers, good drivers rather than filling seats. What do you think?
0: 100%. Uh, that's, that's a great comment. I certainly appreciated reading it. Um, one of the issues, uh, the industry is going in a large number to automatic transmissions. Now, one of the difficulties with that is it really desensitizes the, the driver with the input that the truck is giving them. Um, there's a, a, It's a lot harder to tell what the truck's actually doing. It's also lowering the bar. At the end of the day, the best students that we ever had had either some kind of an equipment background or some even enthusiast hobbies i mean there's people that work on uh hobby cars on the side but they have a a strong mechanical knowledge on on how things operate my favorite um motorcycle riders this is a a call out to you guys they have always by far made the best truck drivers because again it's a very intuitive vehicle to operate and automatic transmissions simply are not you can literally um, point the truck down the road, put your foot on the floor and uh, um, it it really it just lowers the bar to somebody who hasn't taken the time to really involve themselves in, in the feel and the nuances of what a truck can can provide
1: hmm. so having said all that now, I know a big problem is a lot of um, companies are waiting. Until the very last minute to send out their loads and then the pressure becomes the drivers to get that load to its destination and they're not being given reasonable time to do so and obviously that is not a recipe for safe routes.
0: Absolutely not. And, and that's a multifaceted problem. Um, we live in a society with an expectation of just-in-time freight. Uh, whatever we consume, we want to be able to consume it now. Um, for the companies, yeah, it is a problem. Uh, they're referred to as hot loads. Um, as the freight comes in, there, there is a, a psychological pressure put on the driver where it's, come on, come on, come on, we, we need this. It, it's a very important load. Um, I can tell you firsthand, every load you'll ever haul in trucking is important to somebody. Um, and, and what it looks like, so why is this a problem? Well, the reality is that same driver is going to certainly uh, do shortcuts on the inspection of his vehicle. He may do shortcuts on his actual trip planning. I mean, we see a lot of trucks turn down uh, non-truck routes and hit bridges and things like that. Um, it takes time to move freight. Uh, anything that infers that you can do it faster than that time that's required means you're taking you statistically are taking a chance that will result in some kind of a conflict, whether it be a collision, um, damage to the freight, and on and on and on. And when a driver is under that kind of pressure, they're not thinking about the things that a driver needs to be able to think about, whether it's the condition of the roads or his, his own fatigue management. Um just the overall decision makings that they're faced with every minute of their day. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine.
1: Let's read this uh, message that uh, another read for uh, another user left for us. It's time to start making the companies pay for their choices of hiring unqualified drivers and outside fly by night carriers. If they are pulling your trailers, you're responsible for your shipper and hiring cheap no name character carriers. You are responsible. To start paying what professional drivers are worth, that is something I have heard over and over and over again that um, carriers are uh, cheaper carriers have uh, undertrained drivers
0: again this this one 's close to my heart i 've certainly witnessed um, <laughs> pardon the pun a truckload of it in my career. the third party carrier a lot of companies um, the reason they will use them is because it allows them to circumvent all of the CVOR obligations. So if if a third-party carrier is is truly independent, the primary carrier doesn't have to look at their hours of service eligibility, the condition of their equipment. Um, At the end of the day, it's literally just contracted freight. If that third-party carrier goes out and commits an offense or does something uh, from a compliance standpoint that is highly illegal, it doesn't immediately reflect on the primary carrier yes their freight freight could be delayed uh it could be lost but that is the extent of their overall um legal liability on a personal liability yeah sometimes they they run into those scenarios as well but that's why a lot of the cheap third party carriers are used now what is a cheap third party carrier well a lot of these uh the, this also falls into the driver's ink um problem that the industry is facing a lot of these people are just registering numbered companies, and it's honestly worth it for them to run as poorly as they can because it costs money to, run, to be compliant. It costs money to be safe and 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 they can run under that radar and and if they get away with it for a number of years they are much further ahead as as terrifying as that sounds it's true
1: obviously there seems to be a problem within the industry but let's talk a little bit about public perception here um i think a lot of people um think that the trucking industry is basically the wild west it's not uh regulated and policed properly Um, I mean, the the big uh, example of this would be the Humboldt tragedy. Uh, Here in central and northern Ontario, we've had multiple deaths. Um, Last week in Sudbury, there was another uh, truck-related death where we had a 47-year-old woman killed. What do you say to the public to um, maybe reassure them? that truckers care about what's happening out there?
0: I think um, I can echo a lot of drivers' sentiments on this. The majority of the drivers are more upset about these concerns than the general public. There are a great deal of operators that got into it on a more organic level. They they wanted to be a truck driver. They have a lot of pride in what they do. You can see that, especially with a lot of the flashy trucks running up and down the road. Um, th- there, there's a lot of drivers that... That do care and they are actively lobbying for changes from within and i think you know uh, for the general public i, I would hope that they, they they could lock hands with us and petition the government at the end of the day we already have all of the tools to resolve these issues they've been on the books for a lot of years and the government has Backwalked a lot of these uh, regulations, whether it was pressure from lobby groups or whatever. I, I can't answer that officially, but what I can tell you is that I'm, I'm looking at a conviction code table where years ago, a dangerous driving causing bodily harm would carry 25 demerit points to both the driver and the carrier. It currently has five demerit points for that same charge. The government is has allowed. Um, the these reduction on, on very serious uh, offenses. I mean, one of the the, the scariest ones that I, I see on here is uh, drive with more than 80 grams alcohol in your blood used to be a 15-point charge, and now it's five. For the people that may not know, in a commercial vehicle, we have a, a legal standard of zero alcohol in your system. We're, we're not allowed anything in a commercial mm-hmm. vehicle. Now, if they're sending that message of reducing compliance measures that were already on the books, what is that telling the public? Um, why are we able to have fewer demerit points? Why are we not auditing the carriers for their CVR requirements? If the whole public, if everybody was on the same page to petition their members of parliament to answer these questions, why are they lowering the standard, particularly with Humboldt? Because the government certainly didn't mind riding the wave of we're going to introduce the mandatory entry-level training program into the driving schools and yet on the compliance side we're going to lower the standards considerably that's a very poor message to send to um, what they think about our families on, on the roads
1: well that's certainly fair enough that's giving with one hand and and taking with the other but you know part of the problem is monitoring the trucks now when you look at um, particularly the um, OPP, OPP truck blitzes, when you look online, you see all the photographs about um, unsafe trucks. You know, they, they have, you know, unsafe wheels. They're rusted out, so on and so forth. However, the problem here is there's not enough um, at the scales and so on uh, people to check these trucks. That's another problem.
0: It is, and and uh, big shout out to the OPP. I think they've done a tremendous job being visible, uh, doing awareness campaigns, and participating in in those inspections. And the reason what they're doing is so important is just what you said. The MTO scales um, they're they're not open to the degree they were years ago, and and I'm I mean they're fractionally open. And one of the purposes of those scales isn't just to weigh a truck; it puts eyes on them. So when they see a a truck that that looks questionable it's a red flag and and it would cause them to think okay a secondary inspection is now necessary we have the truck we don't have to chase it down the highway and uh gives them a a safe place to to conduct a full uh inspection and and that is something i mean i i can't pretend to tell you what the internal concerns are within the mto but i know that they do have a lot of their own labor challenges there there's um uh, you know, a lot of concern that they had brought up about the ability to even have a sidearm. Um, they, they are confronting uh, members of the trucking industry with very little protection. And I can't say I argue with them. We're, um, we have truck operators that are from any number of countries and other jurisdictions that, that have their own laws. It's, it's not exactly a stretch of the imagination to think that that driver might have their own sidearm in the vehicle with them they're, they're literally delivering freight from a country that allows that so um, you know the the police have, have certainly stepped up and, and done a lot of things and, and like anything they need more resources as well their training is excellent uh, their participation is excellent ironically though where where is the MTO that is their primary um, yeah. and, and and again back to the auditing phase. Uh, to make sure the carriers are compliant, the, the road inspections become a secondary issue if the audit process uh, and the compliance process before there's a problem is, is being carried out. Because at the end of the day, it's great if a, a scale can catch a guy that maybe his brakes are all failing or he has a defective wheel. But the reality is he had to drive a long way to get to that scale. Mm-hmm. So everybody was already at risk before they may or may not have had a chance to intervene if the audit process and the compliance process is being followed then these inspections are literally just to make sure you're you're following the rules they'd be a lot less likely to be finding larger problems if we fixed it at the source
1: You know, about a week or two ago, the uh, minister's office, Carolyn Mulroney's office, uh, released a statement saying that Ontario's highways are uh, among the safest out there. Is it? Are they?
0: I, I would love to see the data that supports that. And I would love to see that response delivered to somebody who has fallen victim to all of the areas of concern that are, are definitive and the public and the trucking industry are all aware of. I would like to see that response delivered at that point. Um, the, the sad reality is we, we, we've brought these issues to government before. Um, I, I've, I've seen plenty of uh, investigative reports. I, I've seen plenty of lo- lobbying efforts that are highlighting these issues. And quite frankly, a dismissive response like that does not move this uh, initiative further one iota um, and define safest if if we are having um, hundreds of major collisions uh, in, in our province in any measurable amount of time it's too many it, it, it's just an insult to anyone who, who has been victimized by this to just say yeah we're the safest if we are if that's the case then we certainly must have the tools to make it even safer.
1: Absolutely. I just want to quickly uh, have one more uh, email here. All levels in the industry have a role to play and a share of responsibility. And uh, he goes on to talk about the government, the laws, the training, tests, testing, licensing the industry. And his final line is, you are all responsible for consequences. we got about 30 seconds here, Mike. What do you think?
0: I want to shake his hand because that's about... The most accurate thing anybody can say, no one person is at fault. No one group can fix this. We all have skin in this game. No matter what, we can all contribute to fix this.
1: And I think that that applies to government, industry, vehicle motorists and certainly uh the trucking industry itself thank you so much for doing this that was a really interesting conversation and i know I'm not part of our wedding vows to do an, int- an interview like this so thank you very much
0: my pleasure
1: and i'm sabina hooper for 88 7 the bay